Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, January 29th, 2023. Today's sermon will be from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 to 10. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the current sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. If you would, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to be in verses... <clears throat> Verses 8 to 10 of Hebrews 11. So I'm going to read those verses and then we will pray and then get started as we normally do. And I just want to say what, um, what, what good it is to sing such songs. Um, that the, especially these three songs particularly present the gospel to us, even in our singing, as we read really good words and just our souls just rejoice that Christ has, has covered our sins, that our sins are forgiven. Hebrews 11, starting verse 8. By faith, Abraham, by the way, the, the title of the sermon is Faith Displayed in the Call and the Life of Abraham. So by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you again for these words. And uh, as we approach Hebrews 11 this morning in the faith, the call of Abraham and the life of Abraham, I pray that today we would apply this to our lives as your word speaks to us today, that we would see the example of Abraham and how you called him and then what he did in obedience. And Father, this may, may help us live out our lives today and tomorrow until um, you so will. Father, I pray that Jesus would be lifted up as Jesus, Jesus has always been the object of our faith and all of the faith of those of the Old Testament, as we will see today with Abraham. I pray that he would increase, that we would decrease. I pray that he would be more beautiful to us. I pray that by your Spirit you would just bring home to us, convict us, encourage us, exhort us, and help us Whatever our needs are, Father, if there's not a Christian here today listening, as I'm sure there will be, I pray that, that, that today, Father, they would hear the words of, of the gospel of Christ and, and, and turn and look unto him and be saved. Father, in spite of me, I pray that you would work and uh, just help us, Father, today. In all that we do, we give you this time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So again, the, the title of the sermon is Faith. That's the title. We're going to continue being there in the coming days through Hebrews 11. But faith displayed in the first part of the sermon, a call. And the second part of the sermon will be the obedience or the life that, that we see happens after this divine call. So before we begin, now let me re, just recall to us the, the context of the letter of the book of Hebrews. The writer is exhorting those Hebrew Christians in that time to persevere. To continue going, not to fall away, not, 
not to move away from the faith, not to drift away from the faith, and the same as it goes for us today. So the applications are still the same for us. Those folks had come to the Lord Jesus Christ, the great high priest, and they had given up the old system of worship under the old covenant. In Christ, the new covenant had arrived. And some, because of their pressures with their cultures, with their families, with with the hardships, with the persecutions and the things that were going on in their lives, they were returning. So the entire book is, is written to these Christians saying Christ is supreme. Look unto him because that is the key and it is always the key for all of us. We must all look unto Christ and not just be saved but continue being saved because it is as we look unto Christ by the Spirit that we can move on. And we can live today and we can live tomorrow. And so that is what the book is about for them and to us today. And so today we come, though, to the example of Abraham. We call him, uh, the Jews called him, but we also sing our songs. Father Abraham had many sons. How many of us have heard that growing up? We call him Father Abraham as he is called Father in the Bible. And so the Bible says that all of those who follow Abraham in his footsteps, are also sons of Abraham, and it is by faith. <clears throat> Galatians 3.7 says this. This means that if you are, by faith, looking to the same promises, then you are also just like Abraham. This means <clears throat> that, that as a Christian today, as a person of faith, you could be called a son of Abraham. And so today, we need these words, though, just as much as those Hebrew Christians in that day. So with this in mind, I have two parts to the sermon. First part will be the foundational part. We're going to look at Abraham's call. Okay, that'll be the first part. Second part, we're just going to look at his life. And both of them, we're going to tie that up to faith and what that means for us. And so I've got those two points and just some, some applications in between. At the end, I will read some verses. I hope that will be helpful to us. So let's, <clears throat> let's begin. First part of the sermon, the divine call of Abraham. Look at verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was what? When he was called. Now, last week, we considered the fact that <clears throat> for faith to exist, there must be divine revelation. In other words, we must know who God is, and we must know what God requires of us. In other words, God must tell us. He must show us these things. And so we saw this with Abel a few weeks back, as he knew what God required of him, how to worship, how kind of sacrifice to bring. We saw this with with Enoch, as he knew what God required of him. God revealed himself to him. He was a man, and he walked with God, and we see that in his life. We saw this with Noah, as Noah was a witness. Noah knew exactly what to preach as he built the ark for those many, many years. And so with Abraham, it's very much the same. It's just a a different aspect. With Abraham, we see the specifics, though, of divine revelation in his calling. So with Abraham, we see, I think if you just think about the history, (coughs) excuse me, Think about the history of the, of the Bible and how God reveals himself. With Abraham, if you think before Abraham and how God 
revealed himself with Adam and then working all the way up to Noah. And then after Noah, when we get to Abraham, though, before Abraham, God revealed himself in a general way. But all of a sudden, with Abraham, we see one man, do we not, signaled out, who then will become the father of those who have faith. And so we see a difference. Then, then we will see even the people of Israel develop through this one man. I will, God says, I will call you out to this land. I will, I will bless you, and I'll bless your posterity. And so we see a change in some ways of this revelation starting with this one man, Abraham. And, and so this is very important because if we go back um, even to Noah, right after Noah with his sons and their, their wives and moving forward, the next big thing after Noah was the Tower of Babel. And these, there's a great departure away from, from God. The whole earth is full of evil. And so they try to build a city um, and get to God in their own way. But we'll see with Abraham here at the end of, the, of this, in, in Hebrews 11 here as we move forward, what is Abraham looking forward to? A different kind of city. He's looking to a city whose builder, founder, maker is God. <clears throat> but when we think about the Tower of Babel and what was going on at that time before Abraham fits the context of Romans 1.18 very well. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. And so it was at that time that God then changed and started to deal with this one man, Abraham. Now, let's move to this call, because all of a sudden we see here that God calls Abraham. If you want to turn there, you're welcome, but Genesis 12, 1 to 3 is where we read about this call of Abraham. Here's what we read. The Lord says to Abram, because this was before his name was changed, but the Lord says to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, so that you also will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all of the families of the earth will be blessed. Which we look back upon the cross, the coming of Christ, and we now know that by the Spirit the gospel is going out to the nations and the sons of Abraham are being blessed, those who are by faith. And we see this. But you might say, okay, John, when we think about this calling, you might say to me, John, God did not call me. Or if you're thinking to me, God didn't call you. God didn't call me in the same way he called Abraham. Well, that's, that might be a bit interesting. The circumstances are certainly different. But what I want us to see this morning is that, yes, in essence, in, in principle, the calling that you got is exactly the same as the calling from Abraham. In other words, it is a divine call. Um, if you think about one of our most favorite verses, Romans 8, 28, a lot of Christians can quote that one. What does it say? For God works all things for good to those who love him. And if we keep going, and are what? Called according to his purpose. So we also are called according to his purpose. 
purpose with Abraham, blessed the, lots of purposes. But we see that with Abraham, but the same is, it, it, it goes the same for us. So in order to explain this further, I've done this before, and if you've been here, you've heard this before, but we must see that there are two specific calls in the Scriptures. The first call is a general call. <clears throat> the second call is a particular call. Now, we, we might name this first call, the one that we're going to talk about first, we might call it an outward call, um, whereas we would call the second one an inward call, <clears throat> or we would call the first one, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know if the water's going to help, but the, <clears throat> the first call is inoperative. It doesn't actually do anything. The second call <clears throat> is an effectual call. And so I want to talk about those two calls for just a few minutes. Now, if we think about this first call that goes out, that actually is not effective, but it is a call nonetheless. Some people would say that this call goes out through creation. Romans 1.19 says that what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. In other words, there is this call of creation. Thinking persons can look up and go, wow, look at that great mountain. Look at that. Look at the sun. Look at the stars. And just to start to contemplate, even as we read through Job, we contemplate the greatness of God. We should be able to say, wow, there is a God who is there. Well, that is, that, that's one particular kind of call. Some would even say there is the call of conscience. Like, why do we want, even as in cultures in the world, why do we want to follow some type of morality. Um, what, what is it? Why would we ever argue religion from morality? Um, so some would say that there is this call of conscience. However, the biggest way we see this call of God, this first call, the biggest way we see this is when the Word of God is preached, such with Adam, such with Enoch, such with Noah, and so forth. Today, when I preach this word and you hear it, <clears throat> this is, I think, the, the primary call of God the Bible speaks about. And what happens, though, this call, let's say we were all non-Christians here. This call would go out, and most would just say, I don't have anything to do with that. And so that is, that is the call that is going out. It's not, it doesn't affect the heart, it's like what happens in churches all the time as people hear and they go, I don't want, I don't want any part of that really. Um, no, nothing ever makes it to the heart. There's never any change. And they just put it off, put it off, put it off. We see this in the streets when people go out and stand on the streets and preach the gospel throughout history. We see this in coffee shops when people share the gospel and people reject. We see this in Christian homes even as parents preach the gospel to their kids and they reject it. This call goes out all the time. This is the kind of call, and I've said this before, this is probably the most used illustration I give, this is the call you give to your cat. And your cat comes only when he wants to come, but most of the time they're just going to turn their backside up and walk off and they're going to come to you when they want. But there is no effect in your call to get that cat to come to you. It's like um, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And so this is this first 
kind of call that we see throughout all the Bible. <clears throat> it is an outward call and it is ineffectual. Um, I, in fact, this kind of call is refused by all. And so Proverbs 8 verse 4 says, God says to you in the context of those who reject him, to you, O men, I call and my cry is to the children of man. Matthew 20 verse 16, for many are called, but few are chosen. There's this calling. I think of the parable in Luke 14 where a man gives a great banquet and he tells his servants, go out and invite all of those invitees. Tell them to come. Tell them to come. And what do they do? They make excuses. One says, I've got a field to, to plow and beans to plant. I, can't, I don't have time. Another one says, I've got cattle. I need to take care of these cattle. Another one says, you know what? I just got married. I need to take care of my wife and my family in this way. These are the excuses that we hear all the time in the world when we talk to people about the gospel. We give out this call and we say, come to Christ. Come and listen. And they give excuses. Oh, maybe tomorrow. Maybe the next day. But they are rejecting this call. And this is a general call we find throughout the Bible. And it is very clearly there. It renders all who hear and then reject without excuse. But this call in and of itself, like with the cat, like with the horse, has no power to actually cause any obedience to come. That's the first call that we see in the Bible. But there is another call. And I think it's important for us to distinguish between the two because it helps us work out our theology as well. But there's a second call. There is a, we might call it a particular call or an inward call or an effectual call. I think of John 5, Jesus 5.25. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of God and live. Or John 10, verses 3 and 4. Jesus speaks about the shepherd who shepherds the sheep. Here's what he says about the sheep. <clears throat> the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know who he is. If we go back to Romans 28, these are those who are called according to his purpose. Or Romans 8.30, those he calls, he justifies. So he's saying, <clears throat> if we, we can't put this call into that first type of call, because those folks who reject, they're not justified. But Romans 8.30, those he calls, he justifies. Very clearly. I think of Matthew. Just think of some examples in the New Testament. Matthew the tax collector. There he was. And he was working for the Roman government, taking taxes, 
probably doing so. <clears throat> we don't know. We're not given all the circumstances of what was going on, but he was hated by the Jews, and there he was doing something that most, almost all Jews would have, would have hated. And Jesus comes along and says, Matthew, follow me. And then we aren't told anything about that except what did he do? Immediately he got up and he followed Jesus. I think about Zacchaeus, the, the, the short man. There he was, wanted to see Jesus, thought, I won't see him. He climbs up in the sycamore tree. Jesus passes by with all the crowds. And what does Jesus say? Zacchaeus, you come down. Today, I'm going to, I'm going to have supper with you in your house. And then we will see also, he, he becomes a man of faith. Or actually, Jesus says, you are a son of Abraham because of your faith. Think about Saul, the one who persecuted the church killed Christians, had planned much of his life around persecuting the way, persecuting those who were following Jesus and traveling all around in surrounding areas to go and put them in prison and, to, um, and even to kill as he was the one who watched the coats of those who stoned Stephen. What happened to, to Saul? <laughs> right out of the blue, in a vision, who, who appears to Saul? Jesus appears to him. <clears throat> and what does he do? Well, he's first, he's blinded. It's great, great signs take place. But what does he do? He gets up, he does exactly what the Lord Jesus tells him to do. And we find that he follows him immediate, immediately without any hesitation. Why? There's something about the divine call. The very same divine call that we see back with Abraham. Again, it is not like the cat when you call the cat who does not come, but it's more like the calling of the dead man, Lazarus. When Jesus says, Lazarus, you come out of the grave. When? Wait a few minutes? Wait 30 minutes? No, he says, come out. What did Lazarus do? Lazarus came forth from the grave. And so this second type of call in the Bible is a divine call, which is exactly what Abraham had. It is a powerful call. It is, we could even say from this perspective, that it is an irresistible call. Because think about Lazarus. How could he have resisted? He did not resist because he was dead. And Jesus said, come forth, and then there is life. Nicodemus, if you want to have eternal life, what, happen, what must happen, Jesus tells him? You must be born again or translated born from above. In other words, there must be something powerful that will cause you to go to heaven, to talk, cause you to have eternal life. So my question is, how do we know that Abraham received such a call? Well, look at back at chapter 11 of Hebrews, verse 8. By faith, Abraham what? He obeyed. This is the same with every example we come to in Hebrews 11. Um, I think that when we think about a lot of Christians in the world, they, they focus, tend to focus, is on our response to what we hear. And, and that, that's fine. And we, we also focus on our response to what we hear. We focus on our obedience. But if we don't understand this divine call of Abraham... There would be no real 
obedience by faith if there were no sovereign, powerful, effectual, operative call of God that changes the heart. We must know that. And I think that this is nothing new to us because I preach that all the time. And Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That is why we must focus on the heart. But if you are a Christian today, you are also a son of Abraham, Galatians 3, 7. Why? Because it is the exact same powerful call that we saw with Abraham. It is the same faith. And though different times and different circumstances, we still live, as a Christian, you still live by obedience to the Word of God. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you, mo may, <clears throat> that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness. Here's that special call again, into his marvelous light. Here are a few applications for us just with, before we move on to the second part of the sermon. One application. The divine call of God includes the means to obey. This is, <clears throat> it's a mystery, but this is the powerful work of the Holy Spirit in the heart. To change the heart, to change, if we could say, the leopard's spots. This is the powerful working of the Spirit. Ephesians 2, which we'll read later on, says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. This is, this is we are spiritually dead and separated from God in and of ourselves. In this way, we are dead. So in this regard, how can we ever think that our own works could ever produce the righteousness of God, much less the power to obey. So if you are, Romans 8, 28, called according to his purpose, if you keep reading there, you see that God works in you in, in great and mighty ways and will take you all the way to glorification one day. There is the power of God. So when he calls, he gives the means and the power to obey. <clears throat> so you think, wow, I see all the commands of Scripture. I need to be a good husband. I need to be a good wife. I must be an obedient child in my family. I must work in a way that is different from the world. All of these commands, where does the power come to obey them? It comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. And so if we're, if we're ever going to get to the root of things, we must get back to the power of the divine call of God in the gospel of Christ. That's, that's one application. Another application we, as Christians, live very differently than the world. And we're going to see that in just a few minutes with the life of Abraham. But in every one of these folks in Abraham, it is pointed out how they lived differently. So let me ask you, do you live differently? Not just in your mind and what you think you ought to do, but can the, the world tell a difference between you and them in the way you live. Well, as Christians, we live differently. Another application. Because of this divine call, it, it, its origin is God. It doesn't come from us. Because of this, there is no boasting. Ephesians 2. 
8 to 10, for by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not in your own doing, it is the gift of God. And I would take that to say that all of that, all salvation, including faith, is a gift from God. It's not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship. We are, brothers and sisters, we are his workmanship. That means he is the, he is the one in the, in, <clears throat> out in the workshop working on our lives through the power of the Spirit. We are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Another application, just a comment about this divine call. It is a call of grace as well. We we can hardly, can exhaust all of the places in the Bible that speak about this divine call as grace. Galatians 1.15, Paul says, But when he who had set me apart before I was born... And who called me by his grace. 2 Timothy 1.9 God saved us, called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. Which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. So I would ask you, do you see the work of God in your life as you Trust as you have received, as you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see this in your life as the great grace of God? You are who you are and what you are because of the grace of God. So are all of us. Much more we could say there. And we're going to get more to Abraham coming in the days to come because there's more about Abraham Abraham here in chapter 11. But second part of the sermon, let's look at the life of Abraham. Abraham obeyed, okay? And this is a little shorter than the, than the first point, but for the remainder of our time, let's just consider the life of Abraham as a display of faith. And you think about, as we talk about this, what is my life? How can it parallel? How does it parallel? How do I use and how do I look at Abraham and, his, and how he obeyed in his life as a picture of faith and how do I apply that? Well, let's notice something before we start here. Let's notice particularly that Abraham was called from something, from a place and from a particular way of life, and Abraham was called to something, to another place, to another way of life. Let's go back to our verses one more time. Verses 8 to 10. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out. He was called out to go to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. So let me ask this question. Where was Abraham called from? And what was his life like before? Well, for those who may, I mean, there are many who believe that Abraham back way before he was called in this specific way, there are many that say that he was a man of faith even before he was called, or would maybe assume that. 
Well, I don't think that's what the Bible teaches at all. And so let me, let's think about a few verses. Because when the Old Testament speaks about Abraham, it says, as the Israelites look to Abraham as their father, they're often reminded, remember where your father came from. Remember what he did. Remember his family. Isaiah 51, verses 1 and 2, says this. Isaiah, God says through Isaiah, Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. I think this is a bit uh, facetious here by the Lord. <clears throat> look to the rock from which you were hewn, H-E-W-N, or look to the quarry from which you were dug. So he's given the picture, picture of a quarry, saying, this is what your life was like before. Look from what the rocks from which you were dug, taking Abraham as an example. Joshua 24.2, God says to Israel, long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates. Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. It is very clear. And we, so I don't think we could say that Abraham was a man of faith before this divine call. There, in that land, not in the land of promise, but in, as Stephen tells us in Acts 7, the land of Mesopotamia, the land of, you might have heard this more, the land of what? Ur. Of the Chaldeans, as Genesis eleven twenty eight, it was there in that land that he was called. So until Abraham was about seventy years old, he lived with his father and his family, and the and according to the scriptures, a pagan family as they served other gods. Very clearly, we have no indication that he lived any different or had any other goals or any other aims in his life that were not normal for that pagan, heathen, culture, family that he was living in in the Ur of Chaldeans. We have no indication of that. <clears throat> this is, I think, the clear testimony of Scripture. There was no, we see nothing of that before God reveals himself to Abraham in this divine call. And as we will see in a moment, neither do we when we are called. But back to Abraham, it was there that the glory of God came to him. In that pagan place, God condescended to this sinful man. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He was not deserving. Some would say, well, Abraham deserved it. He was immersed, I believe, in what his family was in. He served other gods. He was immersed in idolatry. We're not told that he had any things, any concerns about God, except what normal worldly folks would, you know, most people still say, I believe in God. But he didn't have a, a real concern for the things of God, as we, much of the world we live in today. Also, this call that came to Abraham did not go to the rest of his family. It came to him alone. And this is a great mystery. Isaiah 51, 2. God says, For he was but one when I called him, that I might bless him 
and multiply him. And I know we will see his family and the father move closer to Canaan at some point, but then, the, then we see the rest of them fall off, and then Abraham goes with his immediate family, and that's for another part of history. But this is a great mystery. Why God did not call his father or his family, we are not told. We are told in Romans 9, verse 18, God says, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy. God leaves this, this great mystery and this prerogative up to himself. We cannot say, I think, that God looked down through the future and said, you know what, Abraham's going to make a good decision here. He's going to follow me, therefore, God says, I will choose him. We cannot say that at all because, again, God has mercy on whomever he wills. He called Isaac, not Ishmael. He called Jacob. Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. He did not call Jacob. I mean, Esau. He received Abel. He did not receive Cain. Very clearly. This is a great mystery, but nonetheless, it is true. So what we know about this divine call on Abraham is that for the very first time, he knew God in a different way. He knew that God was a living being. Look at Hebrews 11, verse 6. I mean, we could go back to 11, 2, and 3, but 11, 6 will suffice. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Abraham, after this call, knew who this God was intimately. And he knew there was more here. And he needed to go and be obedient. Job 42.5, Job says, I heard of you, speaking of God, I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now... My eyes see you. This is the eye of faith. And let me, and thinking back to Abraham, this call in that place, what happens after he's called? 70 years old. Well, he leaves that place, probably a city. He leaves the city and his people and his family and his comforts and his surroundings and his upbringing, and he travels to another land, the land of Canaan that he did not know. And if you read the scriptures, you'll see he does leave Canaan, goes down to Egypt one time, comes back, goes to Gerar, comes back, but he stays in that land as God told him to do. And how does he do it? What does he do while he's living in that land? He wanders around, living in tents, never finding a permanent earthly dwelling. The same can be said of his sons, Isaac and Jacob, as this text points out. Now, think about Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the great city of Salem, where I believe that Abraham met with Melchizedek. We see the city of Jerusalem developed later, way after Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, but Jerusalem falls, and Jerusalem comes up again, and Jerusalem falls. Jerusalem comes up again. I believe he is still looking for that city one day that goes way past. His revelation says the city of Jerusalem coming out of heaven. And so for the rest of Abraham's life there in the land of Canaan, by faith 
He pursues a city not built by human hands, but whose foundation, whose designer, and whose builder is God. And so he lives differently than all the surrounding nations. And you can go and read all about that, the life of Abraham and see. And that's why Hebrews 11 is bringing him out as a man of faith. Because people of faith live differently than people of this world. And so when we think about Abraham's divine call, we think of his calling out from something, calling to something. Let's try to apply this to ourselves for the rest of our time. The same principle is true for any person, any woman, any child, any man of faith. Where does this faith begin? It begins with the sovereign power of God's call. And what follows this call? A different kind of life. Now, there's always a call from something to something. So if you are a Christian today, the principle, there is no difference. Think back to our examples. What happened to Matthew? Called from that life to a life of godliness and following Jesus. What happened to Zacchaeus? <clears throat> Called from that life to a life of following Jesus. Think about Paul. Called from that life to a life of following Jesus. Very radical, very different. So for the remainder of our time, I want to try to apply this to us by reading some verses, verses in conclusion to show that this same divine call, that we are also called out of something into something. Ephesians, you're welcome to turn with me, or you can just, you can just listen, because I've got five or six verses here. Ephesians 2, this is the New Testament, after the time of Christ, verses 1 to 6. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. As Abraham walked, serving other gods, brothers and sisters, in our hearts and in our actions. If you are a Christian, so did we. Following the course of this world. I can look at my own life and just say, yep. Even though I grew up in a home where... My family took me to church, but still, we were still very much a part of the world and the way of the world's thinkings. And so religion was just religion. It was just a cultural thing. And I, I can't go into all the details as to what I knew and what was going on in my heart. God knows all of that. But I was following the course of this world. And I can only speak for myself as well. As I got into high school and I got into college, I was doing this very thing, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at works, <clears throat> excuse me, at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also, the Apostle Paul puts himself in there with the Ephesians, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature. And these are hard words here, but very clear, gives us the picture, by nature, children of, children of wrath. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to be the worst we can be, because there are many people out there that are good old boys, that are much better than people who call themselves Christians, for sure. And it doesn't mean that we're going to be the worst, but in our nature, before this divine call, in our nature, we are children of wrath. We, in other words, we are going against God 
in all the ways that we should be going for him. And then he keeps on. We were by nature children, children of wrath like the rest of mankind. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. If you are here today, you are a sinner in and of yourself. We get that from Adam, our father. Passed on, passed on, passed on into our natures. That's why we don't have to teach our kids to be bad. We teach them to be good. And then we pray that their heart be changed. But then he says here, like the rest of mankind, but God being rich in mercy, that's the unexplainable part for me. It's just mercy because Adam did not deserve, Eve did not deserve, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, me and you do not deserve the grace of God in this way. And it's his mercy. That, that we cannot explain. And oftentimes in the Old Testament, those saints, they just, all they could do was fall upon the mercy of God. But God being rich in mercy, he is rich in mercy. Because of the great love with which he loved us. Even, even when we were dead in our trespasses, but God commands his love towards us while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. He made us alive together with Christ. You see Lazarus being called, not the cat. You see the divine call of Abraham made us alive together in Christ. And we must not forget, and we've been talking about this a lot in Hebrews 11, all of these folks, their faith is still connected to who? Christ, as they look forward. Our faith is looking back, it's still connected to who? It's Christ. He is the object of all faith. True faith, we, I might want to say that. But he made us alive together. If you are a Christian, you have been made alive. By grace you've been saved and raised us up with him, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Galatians 4, 8 and 9. These verses are much shorter. Paul says, formally, to the Galatians, to this, these pagans there, in modern-day Turkey, formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's. But now that you have come to know God, there's conversion, but then what, what does he say next? But now that you've come to know God, or rather to be known by God, that's very important in that context. There's the divine call. God chose us in Christ before the foundations of the world. He says, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? That's the same message to the Hebrews as well. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Call of Abraham. For the first time, we're not told all the details, but he was given light, the knowledge of God in that divine call. <laughs> and then as we've seen, the promises go forward in Christ. 1 Peter 2.9 already read this this morning. Peter says, but you are a chosen race, 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so that's a picture the New Testament gives us. We are called out of darkness and then we have light and that way we go and we move. And little by little, through the process of sanctification, we grow. Titus 2, 11 to 14, some of my favorite verses. Now, a little bit different context, but still, same principle. <clears throat> He's talking about the coming of Christ in their time and the Christ, com Christ coming and dying on the cross and rising again, sending to the right hand of the Father. Now, the gospel has come to them, and this is Titus speaking to them, or excuse me, Paul speaking to Titus. He says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, that is all nations, training us, so this is the grace of God in our lives, training us to renounce ungodliness. Brothers and sisters, do you, are you ready to renounce ungodliness because of your faith in Christ, to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. What are your worldly passions? <laughs> that, that, that's something that, that we always need to be aware of because we're always by the Spirit being changed. But I would, I would put this out to you if you are not a Christian and you see that most of your life is lived in this way, that your heart isn't bent towards loving God and loving His Son, then I would say to you, what are you going to do? Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous, zealous for what? for good works. So in, <clears throat> in conclusion today, if you are a Christian, this is your experience. It is the same divine call. You're still called out of your sin into righteousness. And by the way, the righteousness that we have is not our own righteousness. God does not save us because we walk in a certain way. He saves us because the Lord Jesus Christ walked in righteousness. When he died on the cross, he was a perfect, sinless sacrifice. So as Christians, by putting faith or trusting him, receiving him, believing on him, and all the ways the Bible talks about that, we, by faith, he gives us his righteousness. We give him our sin. So it is his righteousness that we live in and that we walk. By faith, it was the same for Abraham. But he was called out of darkness. We are called out of darkness into light. You were called out of sin to live in righteousness. And that is in Christ. We were called, if you are a Christian today, you were called to leave the things of this world behind and then look for a city whose maker and builder, designer is God. And we'll get into that more in the coming days because it's going to come up again. And I believe this has begun certainly now as Christ is building his church in this world, but sin still remains. 
And creation still groans. There is a coming day when this will be no more. And to know this and to live like this is to be a person of faith. As Abraham went out, so are we going out. It is the same spirit, though different circumstances. So with that in mind, I, I pray this will be helpful to you as you go out this week. I pray that you would hear, and if you didn't hear everything, that you would hear something and try to apply that to your life. And I would say at the end, look unto Christ. Trust him. As a Christian, you need him. For we are not ashamed of the power of the gospel, for it is the power of the gospel that, that's given, Father. We're not ashamed of this, as Romans 1 says, but it's for all of the world. But it is the power of the gospel that causes us, helps us, motivates us to go day by day. If you are not a Christian, then I would say, as the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus and be saved. We all need Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you again for this, for your word and for these words this morning with Abraham as our example. This divine call that you gave to him is, in essence, the very same call that you give to us as we are changed. We are called, even as all these verses we just read from, from Ephesians and from Titus and <clears throat> from Peter. Father, we, <clears throat> we know that we are called by your grace. And we know that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ sits on his throne in heaven after making purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And so, Father, as Christians today, pray that this, these words would help us, that they help me, may they help us live this week. And just to think more deeply about some doctrines we don't normally preach and think about. And help us as we approach the text next week, as we look at Sarah and others of faith in Hebrews 11. And even as we look forward together to take the Lord's Supper next week. And we just give you this day. And we pray that you would use it. And uh, we just trust in you. We're so grateful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove. You can also join us at the South Rowan YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.